get the herb, cook with it, go to your local grocer, go to a local farm stand. Maybe you have some growing. All you have to do is touch the plant and smell it and smell your fingers. And that's aromatherapy. This is all you have to do. It doesn't have to be buying a diffuser, buying a bunch of oils. This is like part of connecting with plants. Welcome to the Wellness Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, and I'm excited to take you on a journey to reclaiming and reconnecting to your magic, the magic of your health, your wealth, and your soul's purpose. As a woman's wellness coach and business mentor, I've been coaching women for over 15 years, helping them rediscover their innate abilities to heal, to transform, and to manifest their deepest desires. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of inspiration and information, diving into the multifaceted approach of what it means to live to our fullest potential. Let's do this. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. I hope your week is off to a beautiful start. Thanks for joining me for another episode this week on the Wellness Witch Podcast. My guest today is Amy Anthony, and she is a certified clinical aromatherapist and aromatic gardener, and she left her career in marketing research to pursue what is closest to her heart working with plants. And as a certified aromatherapist and aromatherapy educator, also a herbalist gardener, certified master composter and artisanal distiller. She's actually one of New York's top aromatherapy practitioners. She is also a podcast host. You can tune into her podcast called Essential Aromatica Podcast. And we dive into all things, obviously, aromatherapy today, which I'm really excited for. A lot of really interesting tips and tricks and things that I learned and that I picked up throughout our interview. We talk about how we can reconnect with our bodies through aromatherapy and dive into how aromatherapy can support us with stress and sleep and skin health. And there's just so many great, beautiful tips that are shared throughout uh, things that you can use like in your everyday. And this is what I love about aromatherapy and essential oils. I've talked about essential oils on the podcast before and how I'm sure so many of us just have a massive array of them around the house or just sitting on the shelf and we don't really know what to do with them or how to use them. And so I'm hoping something like today's episode is going to give you that little push to go really connect with your oils and use them. We also do dive into progesterone and estrogen balance and can you actually use essential oils for that and some things to be careful of and what to keep in mind. We dive into aromatic gardening and what that actually means. So really interesting episode and I hope you all enjoy it. Now, before we officially dive in, I've had a lot of you reach out saying that you really wanted to join us in the Naturally Nourished Reset. We officially began last week and it's all good. You can still join the Naturally Nourished program. You can join it at any time. And because you are a podcast listener and you're tuning in here, you get $100 savings with the coupon code podcast. So if you'd like to come join us, you'll still get the recording from last week. It's all good. And come join us on this beautiful eight-week journey, diving into all things health and well-being and hormonal health, sleep, progesterone support, circadian rhythm. It really is a transformative eight weeks. So head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash naturallynourished 
Use the code podcast at checkout and you'll save a hundred and you'll get lifetime access to the Naturally Nourished program, but you also get to join us live over these next eight weeks with our group coaching calls and uh, I'm really excited for it. So join us over there. Now, without further ado, let's dive into our episode today. Enjoy. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, uh, Samantha. It's a pleasure to be here in the air conditioning. Yes. (laughs) We were just sharing how freaking hot it is. Yeah, it's really hot. It's shocking because we have a husky and she does not like the summer, but she goes outside in the backyard and she's like basking in the sun and we call her in and she doesn't want to come. And I'm shocked. That's we are caretakers as a, of a Shiba Inu. So she's a double coat too. And she does her sun bath, shade, sun bath, shade. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Yeah, they're very furry dogs. Yeah, adorable. Well, awesome. Let's dive into (laughs) aromatherapy and herbs. I'm really excited to learn from you today. And before we officially dive in, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and you could share with our listeners more about what it is that you do. Of course, I'd love to. And just as a teaser for folks, as a tip, on really hot days like this, there's several oils to turn to, but I love vetiver. I find just by smelling it, it's cooling, very cooling on the mind and body. So that's just a tip through smell only. I love that. Yeah, it's it's a gift <laughs> uh, to smell that. Yeah. Okay, I have some. And typically I've used it in the evening. For like sleep. I've heard it's like nature's tranquilizer. Yeah. It's a very grounding, calming to the nervous system. So in that sense, because essential oils work with the nervous system, uh, influence the nervous system, you're working, you could say in the hypothalamic level, which is going to influence respiration, heartbeat, all that. So it's, it's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And like part of this is just briefly about me and my how I got into this. I've always been a plant person. I think once you are a plant person, whether you grow up in the country or you just get the itch from your grandparents or it's in your blood, you're there. And I grew up in the Hudson Valley of New York state and I was outside gardening and weeding and I loved it. So that was just a part of me. Long story short, I ended up living in Western New York as a teenager, was miserable. Plants helped connect me. Being in nature connected me, grounded me. But I needed to come back to the East Coast because I was a miserable teenager and I wanted to go to college. So I ended up in New York City. That's where culture is, still important to me. Culture, Mm -hmm. ideas, art, you know, the whole thing. But I needed plants and I knew that. So I ended up in corporate America, always found a way to connect with nature, always found a creative outlet through painting, silk screening and stuff. And finally, I had it. And around the year of 2012, the oils already found me, but I didn't know why. I was just like, who are these? What are these? I swear my first oil was eucalyptus putting it in our humidifier. We have a loft space, so a big humidifier and a big open space. And then the oils just hooked onto me. So I quit my corporate job in market research, and then I became obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. What are these? Oh my gosh, I must become certified. (laughs) Didn't know why. And then three blocks from our apartment was the New York Institute of Aromatherapy. Awesome. And I, so I didn't have to do distance learning. So I earned my, my two certifications and I started teaching at the school. So it's just like 
the long and short is I need, needed the plants and the essential oils help me connect with right. that. So that's, I want to share that with people because the big takeaway, if you're in an office, if you can't get into nature a lot and you don't even know you need nature, being in touch with herbs through cooking, the aromatics, aromatic tea, essential oils through smell, that's a connection, a connector. So that's my big message to folks. So sorry, I've gone on a long time. I love it. No, that was such a really beautiful story. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I love that. They found their way to you. Are you yeah. still smelling vetiver right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that it's, what that one is? Yeah, it's super calming. You know, it's awesome. Uh, yeah. I love that. So how can we connect? How can we reconnect with our bodies through aromatherapy? It's a really cool question. And it's it's so simple. Like I think aromatherapy, people think it's woo-woo or some people are converted and they know. Right. But the, the simplest thing we could do is, I'm just pausing because they just put an article out today about sweet marjoram or marjoram. Mm-hmm. Get the herb, cook with it, go to your local grocer, go to a local farm stand. Maybe you have some growing. All you have to do is touch the plant and smell it and smell your fingers. And that's aromatherapy. This right. is all you have to do. It doesn't have to be buying a diffuser, buying a bunch of oils. This is like part of connecting with plants. And yeah. the, the thing, another thing, all you have to do is sit and notice what happens. Just give yourself three minutes to just sit and be like, oh, I'm smelling you know, a, a rosemary plant. Like, oh, right. what's happening? That's it. This is it's so simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing how uplifting it can feel like i was i was just using some lemon thyme i was baking bread the other day and i put in some lemon thyme into the bread and just like like you said just you know breaking up the leaves and smelling it in my hands i was just like this smells just so magical and so fresh and it's right here in my backyard and i've been growing it all summer and yeah it's it's such a simple way to reconnect to nature. And I think oftentimes we do a really great job of complicating that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Can I just share something with you? Because many people I meet don't talk about lemon thyme. Mm. And that's the first botanical I ever distilled. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I love that. (laughs) So can we talk a little bit about distilling and what that actually means? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have my one of my small stills with me behind me because I'm teaching tonight. So it's a, a prop I use. Right. But when we distill something, we're in looking at essential oils only. I, I guess we should focus on that. We can I just use this as a prop? Yeah, absolutely. We have our um, we put our essential our plant material like lemon thyme into the retort. This really small thing, and we fill it with water. And then you put the gooseneck top on. Many stills look like this. And you seal all the joints up. And what you have on the other side is you have a condenser. And what happens is you uh, put the pot over heat with the herb in it and the water. And then gently steam will start to form and carry over the most volatile components over the, the neck. And it goes drip, drip into this condensing unit. And what happens is a cold water bath is running through the condenser to shock the really hot steam that comes over 
and it shocks out the essential oil and the forever changed water called the hydrosol. And some people might say, what's well, a hydrosol? If you don't know uh, some folks, it's like rose water or maybe people okay. see neroli water. And right. sometimes you can find that in culinary stores. But that's all that happens is you take a lot of plant material, you apply heat and um, water, and then you uh, shock it out through a cold water bath, essentially. And just one thing I want people to know, if, if folks don't know, when you look at your bottle of essential oil or the website or the catalog, most things aren't distilled in with water, bathed in water, often steam is injected into the pot versus it being in the water and steam injection is gentler and more modern. Got it. And often when you look at an essential oil, it should generally say steam distilled. Okay. So that's like a quality check and you know you're getting an essential oil if it says steam distilled or hydro distilled. Okay. That's, good to know. That's, that's a good tip. So are you distilling most of your own oils? It's a fabulous question. And uh, uh, No. <laughs> it takes so much plant material to I obtain bet. an oil. Yes. So, you know, lemon thyme, let's say I had a farm growing it. I might need 500 pounds of the, the flowering top leaves to get right. a little bit of oil. Right. So I distill to get the, the hydrosol, the aromatic water. Right. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. You guys hear me talk a lot about myo-inositol. It's one of my favorite products because it's fantastic for supporting blood sugar levels and improving insulin sensitivity. But I want to introduce you to Berberine 500, this new product from Canprev. It contains 500 milligrams of Berberus aquifolium, which is extracted from the Oricon grape root, and it's standardized to 97% in each vegetable capsule. What this means for you is that it is going to help manage blood sugar levels and improve insulin sensitivity. Improving glucose metabolism can be difficult if we aren't eating enough protein and healthy fats and getting in fruits and veggies. If we are consuming too many simple sugars and processed foods, it can really start to impact our blood sugar levels, which actually starts to impact heart health, inflammation, metabolism, PCOS, hormones, fertility, all sorts of things. Berberine's ability to improve glucose uptake is fantastic, and this plant-like substance has been known to regulate energy metabolism, helping to aid in weight management and body fat reduction. Now, if you're in Canada, you can find this product at any one of your local health food stores, and if you are located in the U.S., you can search online for Canprev Berberine 500. And if you're dealing with some blood sugar instability and looking to improve insulin sensitivity, this is definitely a great product to check out. So let's talk a little bit about aromatic chemistry. I feel like you've shared a little bit, but I'd love to do a deeper dive into that because I'm sure there's a lot that people don't really know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's I'm pausing because there's ways to look at aromatic chemistry. And when you go to study aromatherapy, we're still caught in a framework where people confuse aromatic chemistry, which is the behavior of molecules like things like solubility, boiling point, melting point. How is it reacting under certain circumstances like pH level? People right. in studying often confuse that with pharmacology and bioactivity. 
and how, let's say, an essential oil can be anti-inflammatory. Got it. So one thing I like to stress, because we're, I, I feel the industry of aromatherapy or the I hate that I said industry, the practice of <laughs> aromatherapy, we're right. still catching up because we don't know the exact pathways that like, oh, why is rosemary great for inflammation? We're still kind of figuring that out, like the pathways in the body through the nerves and sodium ion channels and stuff like that. Right. But the, the chemistry part um, is useful when you're studying the oils if you don't mind me going this way. Yeah, yeah. Um, essential oils are not essential to a plant, nor are they oily. So that, that's part of the chemistry. It's essential because people used to think of the oil or the, the aroma, the volatile as the, the spirit when the, you can't see smell. Right. right. So the essential oils are volatile. That's why we can smell them because they're so small. They're 20 carbons or less than 20 carbons in a molecule. So they're tiny and volatile. That's why we can smell them and perceive them. And then scent is invisible. So it's this essence, this quintessence. Mm. So that's why it's an essential oil, even though it's not essential to the plant. Right. And then you get the oil part, which is important for folks when you look at an essential oil. It shouldn't feel oily in your hand. It loves oils. It loves lipids. So that's why you put it in a carrier oil. A, because you need to dilute them. But they, they like lipids. They like the lip, phospholipid bilayers in our skin. They attach to cell membranes in the body because they're lipid loving. So that's why they're called oil. Right. So I hope I made the distinction. Like the, the chemistry part's really interesting and knowing like, when you start to study essential oil chemistry, you'll start to learn about terpenes and monoterpenes and sesquiterpenes and what right. that means or the indicated therapeutic actions by looking <laughs> okay. at, at the, the chemical makeup. But like I said, people often confuse the actual chemistry and how it works in the world with like biochemistry and pharmacology. So right. I... Yeah. It's, <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, okay, this chemistry stuff is cool, but what do I use to reduce my stress? How do I support my sleep? How do I balance my hormones? Like what oils do I use? Just the vetiver tip alone was great. I'm sure you've got many under your belt that you can share with us. Oh my gosh, there's so many. And honestly, I enjoy the way I've been taught and learned is the aromatherapist we are, we are certified. We can't make medical claims or diagnose or any of that. And I believe it's the same in Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a shout out to the CFA, the Canadian Federation of Aromatherapists, great organization. We often took the lineage from England of you address stress, the stress response, and you don't be like, oh, I'm going to treat your cold symptom or your anxiety. You're like, oh, let's talk about stress and oils that can help. So that's the way we often enter in. But some tips for folks, if you want, if we can go this way, is I like yeah. to think the, the oils as uppers, downers, and modulators. Okay. And so many of the oils are modulating in that, like, if you're really up, lavender might bring you down a little bit. Or if you're um, really down, lavender might actually kind of bring you to a middle ground. It doesn't always sedate you. Yeah. Actually, that's interesting you mentioned that about lavender because I find it does have the opposite effect on me. 
it's very stimulating for me. So when everyone's like, rub some lavender on the bottom of your feet before bed, I do not sleep. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, to that effect, less is always more with aromatherapy. So two things, like you said, everyone's different. Mm -hmm. And then with aromatherapy, less is more. More could have the opposite effect. It could be incredibly irritating. it's, It's a whole thing we have to consider because these are so concentrated you know, it, it takes so much plant material to, to create some oil. So that in itself is like, oh, we should only use just a tiny bit. Right. But if you want, I could talk about the uppers and downers. And I think yeah, I'd love it, to hear that. this makes sense to a lot of people. I think once you're like, oh, yeah, Amy, that makes sense. But a lot of the uppers, uh, rosemary, you could think of the times, peppermint. Think of how you cook, like how, how when you're with the herb, how it might make you feel or feel in the, the dish, you know. And mm-hmm. I just... Those are some of the classics. I think a lot of um, people work with lemon. It's really nice upper to like brighten your day. Um, those are some of the classics I think that are really friendly, like modulators. I just happen to have some oils next to me. So like ginger mm-hmm. is really settling for the GI tracts. There's a lot of evidence that works with nausea. We know that ginger right. ale, right? Ginger tea. Yes. Worked right. within chemo th- uh, for chemo patients for nausea in, ho- in hospital and care. So really settling would be ginger. A lot of the wood oils, I'd say, are modulating. Like a lot of folks know of cedar wood. I think that's when people see a lot of. And there's multiple cedar woods. I'm hesitant to talk about sandalwood because it is so precious and it's regulated in India. But there's a lot like Australian sandalwood. It's really modulating and calming. Let me see. Oh, and another one that's really more modulating and brightening. A lot of folks know frankincense. Right. I love frankincense. Like opening, clarifying could help you uh, do uh, meditate. Um, I remember seeing some research. It, it works with one of the pathways in the central nervous system, uh, some of the chemical components. And um, I think that's just pausing because I'm just thinking how cool frankincense is. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of essential oil chemicals can bypass the blood-brain barrier. Not right. all, but some. Like I mentioned, you have to be t- less than 20 carbons, and something that's like 10 carbons, you know, could just easily get up through the blood-brain barrier and start really integrating with and influencing receptor sites and nerve impulses. Mm-hmm. A couple of the downers, um, I was just spending a lot of time with marjoram or sweet marjoram. She is a stupefying lady. If you spend just a little time with the oil, it's, it is a sedative oil, but it's dulling. I find it's daydreamy-like. So if you want to kind of mm-hmm. zonk out during the day and have a nap, consider making marjoram tea with the herb. Chamomile is a classic. Roman right. chamomile. Oh my gosh. You want to get down. <laughs> <laughs> like sleep <laughs> to go to sleep. Roman chamomile is a classic. Wow. Uh, lavender goes into that high altitude lavendula angustifolia. So folks, um, if you're into oils, you might know this, but always look at the Latin name. Right. Because there's many quote lavenders out there. So just be careful of that. Um, what else? Valerian, a lot of people don't like, but that's a very lovely herb to support really going down. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of us want to stay in the middle. Like if you want, um, like I have balsam fir here. 
many of the furs and conifers will just bring a breath of fresh air and you want to be awake and, and be taken to like a uh, place to help you breathe. A lot of the conifers really help with that. You know, I could keep going on. I'm going to yeah, pause. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love this. And <laughs> what are some of the best ways that you use them. So if you're using an oil specifically for sleep, what would you typically, how would you typically recommend to use that? Oh yeah. Uh, So I'm a big fan. The more and more I've been in this profession, I'm a huge fan of one drop on a cotton pad. Like if you want to go to bed at night, you could put a cotton pad on your chest and put a drop of your favorite oil. If you're into diffusing, diffuse before bedtime to get the molecules in there, then don't diffuse overnight. You don't need right. that circulating overnight. Okay. Right. I'm a big fan of, because you have to dilute the oils. I really love direct inhalation or the one drop straight. So I like to open a bottle and smell it. Gosh, this is, uh, I'll have to share the blend I just made. It's gorgeous. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that because I'm like, look at me. It's gorgeous. I did such a good no, job. No, I'd love to know. Um, but let me just finish the thought. I love sleep mists. Oh, so, okay. you know, like a one or two ounce bottle or 30 ml or 60 ml bottle, distilled water. You could put your 12 to 15 drops of like your, let's say it is lavender or some vetiver is sedating and mm-hmm. cooling. You could put some of the Roman chamomile in and you just shake that and you do like three sprays or you spray your hair. I love spraying mm-hmm. my hair because it holds the aroma and the molecules. Yeah. Right. So the spray, the cotton pad, tissue direct from the bottle. Uh, I also make like myself, I just used it two nights ago, a dream balm. So you make a salve and you really dilute the oils into the salve. And I like to rub some like along my jawline to help with sleep. That's great. You know what? It depends on who are you. Do you, how do you want the oils in your life? Because maybe you don't like a balm. Maybe you like the sleep mist idea. So you're just like, what works for you? Right. But can I tell you this blend that I'm just absolutely... Yes, please do. Marjoram, clary sage. Mm. So these two are really nice together. So marjoram could be a bit sedating and I put in clary sage for its uplift. It can be really euphoric actually. Jasmine, absolute. So jasmine is, is very calming, not really sedating, but really... It's just like a special hug and you just need a little bit of it to calm. It's really wonderful for anxiety. All of these are. I put blue tansy in there, tanacetum mm. annuum, and balsam fir. And it Lovely. smells like a perfume. And so did you just mix these, I guess you would say like neat? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't mix it with anything else? Okay. It's just the oils. Yeah. Straight synergy. So uh, I put it in my recent marjoram post and I have the blend in there and you could put that in a diffuser or maybe you put a couple drops in a roller ball. So it's, it's like if you went to a store and bought a pre-made blend. Yeah. Lovely. But, that sounds really great. Now, what about some oils for skin health and using some of them topically? Oh yeah. So it depends on your intention, but may I generally say we're thinking about just general well-being and let's say inflammation, maybe mm-hmm. I could take that route. The classics. So you can't go wrong with diluted in a cream or if you're into face oils and body oils, really lovely, depending on who you are. Yep. Calendula as a base herb oil is really nice, kind of a go-to. I think many folks, once you dabble in herbalism, calendula is a go-to. Lavender and chamomile, hands down, really great. But flowers shine for the skin. So neroli, Mm. rose, for like 
general health inflammation, like rose for maturing skin, even cuprose skin, I think. Helichrysum, if you have a lot right. of inflammation. Really expensive oil, but kind of a queen and a king of anti-inflammatory. German chamomile really shines for the skin as well for inflammation. It's like we drink German chamomile tea for like a, you can think, inflamed GI tract. It's kind of the similar thing. It's, it's really, really great and anti-inflammatory. Balancing, a lot of folks will turn to geranium, rose geranium. Palmarosa, I like to interchange palmarosa with rose geranium. And please dilute that, that especially geranium is known to be a sensitizer if used too much. Right. If you dilute properly, you shouldn't have any issues. I mean, I just gave a bunch of, it's, it's a lot of yeah. good go-tos. Those are great. Yeah. Have you used oils to support progesterone and estrogen? Yeah, I can't say medically. I can't make claims, right. but yes, yeah, so we've had some sure. some success with clients specifically. And you've you probably already work with these, but Vitex or Chaste right. Tree, yep. Chaste Berry. I've distilled my own hydrosol of the berry and distilled. I also distilled clary sage in a, in a friend's shop. I used to sell something we called Lilith. It was 50-50 parts. Vitex berry hydrosol and clary sage flowering tops. And it would be helpful for hot flashes for folks. And I, I've had like clary sage is a go-to. Progesterone would be Vitex. I know some people turn to peppermint for hot flushes, but I just stay away from peppermint. I generally don't have it in my practice for whatever reason. That's interesting. Why is that? I'm going to be really honest that I am just a grumpy contrarian. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, you know, you just hear something and you're like, enough of that. There has to be another way, you know? Got so it. since I was a kid, I was a bit contrarian. So I'm, I have my quirks. <laughs> we, all, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, estrogen route, and we have to be really careful, but fennel can be really interesting, judiciously used. Some aromatherapists won't touch it with a 10-foot pole, but fennel we know can enhance breast milk production. It, it could be really interesting for um, regulating your period and just working that way for a, a balance. Right. And again, like how would you use something like that? Well, topical is really nice. Diluted topically, you know, your general 2% dilution rate, generally speaking. And like once a day, you know, you can have even those progesterone creams you apply to thin skin right. on your inner arm. It would be something similar for massage your belly and your the crease of your hips, that's thin skin. And just once daily, you know, generally it's going to be well, it depends if you're on if you're menstruating or you're into perimenopause or you're postmenopausal, right? But I'm always into like if you're menstruating and you're looking to balance irritability, bloating, and you come up with a blend that works for you. You know, classics are geranium, clary sage. You might turn to fennel, rose, lavender is great for pain. Marjoram is wonderful for period pain, but you might I'd put Vitex in there. Cypress is another one people turn to for progesterone help. And overall endocrine balancing, but apply like a week before your period. And then for if you have the pains during your period, and I've seen this for generally within one to two cycles with, with use, you'll be feeling different. Right. I'm not going to say better. I always have to watch my words. And then you'll just want to watch because you don't want to use this every month all the time, right? With aromatherapy, we want to align you with something. You use it for maybe 
like two weeks at a time, you take a week off, you know, and you do this for like one month, two months, three months, and then hopefully you've rounded the corner. Right. And you're, you've found the root cause and the oils helped you, you know? Right. Right. Makes sense. Absolutely. So you also call yourself an aromatic gardener. Can you expand on that? Yeah. Twofold. So um, my spouse and I spend time between New York City and the North Fork of Long Island. So like many places, there's a lot of deer and rabbits and groundhogs Mm. and stuff. So I never wanted to battle them. So I found by introducing aromatic plants into the landscape, they don't browse them. Interesting. Yeah. So that's generally they stay far away. So that's the core over the years. But once I started to study aromatherapy and especially being a teacher and I taught certification, if I don't know who the plant is, if I'm not cooking with it, if I just see this abstract bottle and I don't know like what clary sage looks like, how can I be a a good teacher? And this is me. Other people operate differently, but I am super process oriented. That's why I learned how to distill. Like, how do I understand this stuff? Right. So aromatic gardening, it's really like just being around the plants I love and that I work with like so often and trying to understand who are you, what growing conditions do you like? Because if you're a student and a practitioner, you'll often, you'll see like if something likes water, it might be antifungal because it's learned how to work with water. If you like dry arid sites, you know, what does that mean? So it helps the plants are the teachers and we're forever the students. So it's really being the observer. And there's nothing more telling about the therapeutic personality of the plant when you are harvesting it to make a tea or for distillation. And you're really quiet. You're the observer. And you just notice like what's happening. And that's the biggest teach. That's the biggest teaching is being to be able to have that time with the plants. Right. Quick interruption to talk about immune support and cold and flu season. As we start heading into the fall months, we know that cold and flus tend to really hit us at this time of year. And quite frankly, I think because we are heading into the back to school season, back to work, getting back into routines, we are also heading into Thanksgiving where there tends to be some overindulgence. And then there's Halloween where there's also some overindulgence. And I think this is really what starts to impact our immune system. So if you're really looking for immune support for the whole family, my go-to product is called Defend Now. It is organic turkey tail extract from Aversio Wellness. You know mushrooms are where it's at. I absolutely love them. And turkey tail is high in beta D-glucans and specialized antioxidants that strengthen the immune system and fight viral infections by activating cells that really help to clear pathogens from the body. It is really my go-to when it comes to immune support. And let's face it, mushrooms overall, medicinal mushrooms, all have an impact on supporting our immune health, which is fantastic. But turkey tail just takes it up a little bit of a notch. And you can also give this to your animals. I will often sprinkle a little bit of this into our dog's food or our cat's food. And it's not just for immune health, but turkey tail can really improve natural defenses against cancer by increasing chemokines and cytokines that prompt the immune system to 
attack cancerous cells. So really amazing product. So head on over to aversiowellness.com, check out the product Defend Now, and save 15% off at checkout with the coupon code WELLNESSWITCH. And so going back to your comment about the deers and the beavers and all of that, what are some of the actual plants that you have planted to kind of keep them away? Oh, yeah. Well, they're there and they just won't go. But, you know, uh, I just have to think Melissa or lemon balm, mm-hmm. uh, lavender, lavendin, spearmint. I'm trying to think because I did put, I have a little small enclosed garden now just because I couldn't take it anymore and I wanted my asters and other things to grow. But Santolina, um, not really worked with a lot in aromatherapy, but gray and green Santolina are really lovely. Fennel, yarrow. Oh my gosh. I'm just trying to think along. And Vitex, I have a, a native sweet fern, which grows up into Canada. Really gorgeous plant. And the deer stay away from that? Interesting. Yeah. In my experience, yeah, I like, yeah, the deer are out there, the rabbits. Oh, they're so sneaky. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) We've got them in our backyard. Yeah. But there's more like hyssop is another one. Be careful with that essential oil, but it's a really great respiratory tonic. Winter savory is another one. Tarragon. Again, be careful with those as the essential oil. I just want to, on that note, I have a friend who owns a garden center, she manages it. And I was seeing her and I had tarragon with me. I'm like, smell this. And tarragon is an oil many people don't touch. It has transanethal in it. It's it's very powerful for the on estrogen. It, it's too much. It's considered a carcinogenic. But she smelled tarragon during the day on a scent strip, one drop on a scent strip. She hasn't had her period in like six years because she was uh, had a bunch of children and she got her period that weekend. She's wow. no longer, she was no longer with her child. Last child was born last year. I remember when she was pregnant, but she sent me a text like, Amy, I got my period. I'm like, yeah, it's a tarragon. That's very estrogenic. <laughs> yeah. So be careful. Like, there's just things to watch, but I'm not saying that to shock and scare people, but right. this is real. And this is by smell. She was smelling like one drop of essential oil on a scent strip all day. I'm like, why are you smelling it all day? That's wild. It's true. And like the herb itself is the tea. Or if you take powdered herb, there will be this effect. But I'm just pausing because essential oils, I think people are like, oh, whatever. You know, and it's like, no, this is real stuff. Mm-hmm. And real when plant. I was real stuff, real concentrated chemistry. Yeah. And I, I missed doing our teaching at the school because uh, we had a lot of students come in internationally and you'd have some women come in and be like, oh, my period normalized over the past few weeks because they were working with the oils and learning stuff. I had perfumers that they know people that can't conceive or menstruate regularly because they're always around synthetics. Wow. You know, so it, I know you're, you specialize in hormones and stuff. So even though we think these are just oils and bleh, it's like, no, there's a real influence they have on us. Yes. And it's, it doesn't take a lot. And it might only take for emotional work. I find working with myself, it takes me about three days to be like, oh, wow, I'm starting to feel like a little different. You know, and it's just a nudge. The oils aren't there to change your life. They're there to nudge you and like get you going in a certain direction. They're not going to solve your problems. (laughs) Right, right. They're going to nudge. So when you say like the emotional work, is that when you would maybe use something like more of the uppers or something like that? Like something like citrus might really help kind of uplift emotions. 
Is that what you mean? Or do you want to expand on that a bit? Yeah, I'd love to. So, because it's all integrated. A lot of folks come to aromatherapy for aches and pains and things, respiratory health maybe, but I think a lot of folks come, I can't sleep. I feel irritated, depressed, anxiety. So one thing I love about my practice, it's a small practice, but people come to me and we'll talk, do an intake, we'll ask about their life, and then uh, I'll present some oils to them to then select. So it depends on the intention. And that's what I really appreciate about my training is what's the intention? And then you try to pair oils with that. And if you present, let's say, balsam fir to this individual, and they're like, oh, I hate it. It reminds me of this bad <laughs> childhood memory. You'll be like, oh, we're not going to go there because guess right. what? There's so many other oils to turn to. And I'm bringing this up because like you with lavender, you're like, not working for me. And everyone's like, lavender is so great for sleep. And it's like, well, guess what? It's not for everybody. So it's right. really tuning in and smelling, not just for like, I like this, but to be like, okay, what's happening? And really listening to yourself, just because something on Pinterest is said, which I'm on that, but just because someone says something doesn't mean it's right for you. So for sure. Check yeah. it out. Absolutely. I hope I, I think I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, because you using like, for, so, for emotional support. Yeah, the yeah. emotional support, it's its connecting people with like, so what's your anxiety look like or your sleeplessness and then connecting the botanicals that seem to fit that individual. Right. Yeah. And awesome. There, yeah, it's, it's the whole palette of oils. Yeah, that could, I guess, be any oil because everybody is so bio-individual. So it can really vary from person to person. So switching gears a little bit about, you know, into herbs and... I'm wondering if you could maybe share some simple herbal infusions that people can make at home as we head into the cold and flu season. I mean, quote unquote, cold and flu season, because I think that Thanksgiving, we're overindulging. Halloween, you're overindulging. And I think it's just, you know, the back to school. And so, you know, it tends to take a toll on the immune system. Hence why this is the time of year where we say cold and flu season. So if you have some herbal infusions, or even oils that you would recommend as we head into the cold and flu season, what people can use. Oh, yeah. Because I was just making for a client coming over. It's We're in September now, and I was thinking of this time of year. But just to segue into this, I was gifted some hibiscus flower from a friend who works in Africa and Tanzania, and I was pairing that with rose petal to think of cooling for this particular time of year. And lemon verbena from my garden, honestly, for uplift and flavor. Mm. But that's September. When you think of the immune support, I was just writing down, I love ginger. Go to ginger, make a ginger tea of the fresh root, chop it up into small bits uh, and decoct it. So you'll just, I'd say, simmer it for 15 minutes. Thyme and rosemary could be really nice if you have an infection. Those are the three that really came to mind. I think people think it might be weird to drink rosemary or thyme tea, but it's really pleasant and you could just make a really nice immune support because those are all really anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial herbs. Great. And are these herbs, like can people grow them year round indoors? Mm, mm, depends on where you live. Yeah. I ask so, because I know where I live, the brutal winters take away all the beauty of my garden and my herbs, but I'd love to bring some of it indoors. If you have, so let's just say ginger is tough. I've grown that Yeah, outside. probably not ginger. 
You could try, but you know, it's a rhizome, but thyme and rosemary, they don't like a lot of water. Thyme can survive a little more water, lots of sun. If you have a western exposure, mm-hmm. north northwest, the plants should thrive nicely. And I'm just thinking uh, this is a bit it's on topic, but it's it's a shout to the herbal community. You could be really empowered to make your own fire cider. Oh, right. And a lot of that, that has ginger in it, garlic, horseradish, some really aromatic plants. Yes. And aromatics as a class are antimicrobial, generally speaking. You can make your own fire cider and uh, you could use that into salad dressings and stuff like that and really empower yourself. I wish I could go to my cabinet right now just to look at the herbs <laughs> off, off the top of my head. But if you're lucky to have elderberry Mm-hmm. That's a go-to to make a decoction of elderberry. Um, for years, I volunteer at a local, we don't call it a soup kitchen, but St. George's Common Table. And it, for years, I make herbal teas. So already I'm thinking I'll make ginger, elderberry. I'll bring schizandra in sometimes. Ginger, I'll uh, marjoram I'll put in. I'll just, uh, sometimes black pepper in the tea. Mm-hmm. Just a little hint. But honestly, because I, I think a lot of folks want exotic stuff, but you can't go right. wrong with like the ginger, thyme, and the rosemary. Right. Or you could go to your supermarket and buy those. Yeah, absolutely. But we know like elderberry is kind of a classic, the antiviral evidence behind it. Um, yes, I love it. Yeah. So when you're saying decoction, can you explain that a little bit more for people who may not understand? Yeah. So water infusions, it's back to the, our beloved topic of chemistry. But, you know, when you make a tea, you're making an infusion. And generally, you can make a cold infusion depending on the plant and your intention. Like today, I'm making a cold infusion because rose gets beat up by heat and it comes out mm. really nicely in a cold infusion and uh, it's more subtle. So I call it cold brew because I think people are like, oh yeah, cold brew. Right. <laughs> Especially you'll have your cold and then your like pleasure tea. So you'll take your tea bag or your herbs, you'll gently, don't bring it to a boil, bring it to a near boil, shut off the boil. Then you put the herbs in and you'll steep the, the leaves or flowers. That's generally the leaves and petals and delicate stuff that will withstand the seven to eight to 12 minute steep. Right. Hot water off heat. Then there's the decoction. So now you get my gears working. I forgot to put cinnamon in and star anise is other things I do for the winter. Right. So when you have ginger or the cinnamon or the star anise or um, some others you decoct, elderberry, oh, hawthorn berry. Oh my gosh. It's another one for general heart tonic. Right. Tastes amazing. You need to decoct those because they're harder. So if you have cinnamon stick, what you want to do is you'll bring your cinnamon sticks, whatever your ratios are going to be in your your little pot, and you'll have your water and you bring it up to a simmer. And then you want to simmer gently for like 30, uh, 15 minutes up to 30 minutes. It could be longer because you really have to coax that stuff out. Right. But for folks, if this is new to some folks, don't put t- too much heat on. It's the low and slow philosophy. Right. Yeah. So um, just to reiterate, the decoction is to really coax out stuff that's in the barky stuff. Oh, astragalus roots, another one I go for immunity. Mm-hmm. See, <laughs> I didn't know you had this question. Like, they all have to come to me like, that's okay. okay. <laughs> they're they're kind of coming out of the woodwork. 
That's awesome. Well, it's funny because that was my next question in terms of making teas. And, you know, like we have some echinacea in our garden and chamomile, you know, and I'm actually always hesitant to just like, can I just pick this and just throw it in the pot? And I really should do that, but I don't know why I don't. Thanks for saying echinacea. It's another classic one for immune support. Right. Yeah. Again, because it wasn't. It's not an aromatic, but yes. Yeah, for immune. Go, for sure. go and uh, take the root, the flower. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> oh my god, there's so many good. I like marshmallow roots. Really nice yes. for um, the demulcent when you're dry in like the winter and you need some coating. Marshmallow, marshmallow flower. Marshmallow root. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Tasting too. And then hibiscus, because we also have a lot of hibiscus. Would you just take those leaves as well and just, you know, make flowers? The flower. Yeah. Sorry. The flowers and then make make a tea and and just throw it in there. Awesome. I love hibiscus tea. Yeah. And it's such a, the thing is, it's such a beautiful flower that I'm like, I don't want to pick it because it looks so pretty. (laughs) That's, I feel the same way. So I have the, the plants are there and they're growing and often I won't harvest much. I want them to be there for themselves. And you see all the insects yes. in the whole situation. So I enjoy harvesting when I need to, or the time is right, but it's really about part of the therapy is just being out in your garden and right. by the plants and yeah. watching all that, all the insects. It's just really happy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, that was really informative. Thank you so much for that. Where can our audience find you and connect with you and learn more about aromatherapy and herbs? Well, thank you. Uh, please find me at nycaromatica.com. Uh, all, all you can eat buffet. Of, I have some free and pay what you wish classes on how to diffuse. I have a class on decoctions and making teas. I actually taught the material at the New York Botanical Gardens. It's really fun stuff. Amazing. But I have like plant profiles. Check out my marjoram article. You'll see the blend that I just shared. Great. And please find me on Essential Aromatica. It's a very niche podcast, but it's my attempt to try to make aromatherapy more accessible and not seem to make it a lived experience, not just, um, Mm. oh, put this in a diffuser. Yes. And actually use them because I got a whole bunch sitting on my shelf there and you want to actually put them to use. Yeah. 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 And that's just, I know we're wrapping up, but just one thing, the the oils expire. So depending on what you have, not you per se, but they'll last three to five years. But if you're always opening and closing your lemon bottle of oil and you have a huge bottle that will oxidize. Right. So just be careful. Don't buy too much oil. Only a couple drops is what you need. So anyway, I could go on. Thanks. (laughs) Oh, that was great. Thank you so much. And we'll be sure to share all your links and everything in our show notes. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If there is anybody near and dear to you that you feel can benefit from today's episode, I would love it if you can share it with them. If you'd like to connect with our guest, Amy Anthony, you can find her over on Instagram at nycaromatica. And you can also head on to her website, nycaromatica.com. Thanks everyone for being here today. Chat with you next week. Take care.